0: So last week, we looked at exploring Joshua from the story of Rehab. And our teacher went deep into mm-hmm. taking us through Joshua chapter, I think it was two. And then we looked at the story of Rehab, how she put her faith on the line, how even though she wasn't from the chosen race you know, of the Israelites, she plugged into the, the faith and she also went miles to do some things, you know, to protect the Israelites that were coming to spy on the land and that in turn saved her her life but not just saved her her life in context of physical life, it also gave her, you know, would I say, an access to the kingdom of God, whereby we see now that Rahab is one of the people in the genealogy of Jesus. And so we learned a lot about faith and what it means to have faith and what it means for us as Christians. Today we will look at the story of the Israelites and how they crossed the river Jordan. Fortunately for us, our text is actually two chapters. Joshua 3 and Joshua 4. It's quite a long read. But if anyone is at Joshua 3, I would implore that somebody reads Joshua 3. Joshua chapter 3.
1: And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet yeah, there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come, Ether, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Parasites and the Jigashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Verse 7, behold the hack of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel and out of Every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. Now the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overflowed all its banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan."
0: Thank you very much, we'll stop there for now, we'll probably continue, because the crossing of the river Jordan actually took two chapters, chapter 3 and chapter 4, but we've read quite a lengthy, or 17 verses, and if we look at the story, we would see that it started from how Joshua, you know, woke up in the morning, and then God was instructing him on what to do, and what not to do, and then from there we look at the people that were involved, both the priests, the Israelites, those from the tribe of Reuben, how everybody was, you know, taking their own turn in the whole, will I say, affair of crossing the Jordan. So for our teaching today, I divided the story or the points into four major headings and then in those headings we have subheadings things like that. So the first one we have is obedience and you know obedience is very interesting. So many times we have been taught that obedience involves the act of heeding to instructions and things like that. But in this story there are two blessed kinds of obedience that we see The first one is instruction from God to his chosen leader. And here we see Joshua as the person that God chose to continue from Moses. Now many times we look at when we talk about obedience what tends to come to our mind is just oh when we are followers we need to obey the leader. But the truth of the matter is that we need to first look at it. Also, from the leader's perspective, when we started this series, something that our pastor said in the first um, topic of exploring Joshua, when he was talking about be strong, be courageous, there was something he said that stuck. He said that at different points in our lives, we will both be followers and leaders, right? And as a leader that God chose, Joshua never Looked at himself and said, Oh, I am big now. I'm here now. Therefore, I can behave anyhow. Verse 1 of Joshua 3 says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And then, if you continue to read, you would see that for every time God spoke to, Joshua, he hacked. So when God told him, tell the Israelites this, he told them. When God told him, tell the priests that they should carry the Ark of the Covenant, he told them. When God told him, okay, when you get to the river Jordan, tell the priests to put their feet in and then wait. He did. He did not um, try to, he didn't disobey, neither did he partially obey. And for us as believers, it's very, very important because God is going to use us in different capacities. Whether you are a follower of somebody in that God has planted you in a local assembly or you have a spiritual leader, pastor, or you have a spiritual father, spiritual mother. At different points of your life, even as a follower, God will still use you to lead somebody else. And if he's giving an instruction, if he's saying something like, oh, Josephine, I want you to tell this person to do this. It is not in your place to disobey. You cannot, or we cannot say, but God is the one that puts me in this position so I can afford to do anyhow. We see that Joshua had an attitude of humility and he also had an attitude of submission. And not only those two, he also had an attitude, or will I say a disposition, of promptitude. Another thing that happens to us believers is sometimes when God instructs us, we sort of delay. But it's funny how, or it's interesting rather, how the first verse says that Joshua rose up early in the morning. He didn't just say Joshua rose up, but Joshua rose up early in the morning. And we see the similar idea in the way Abraham treated God, when God instructed Abraham to go and offer sacrifice to I, for him, a sacrifice of Isaac, the Bible says, and Abraham rose early in the morning and then he started his journey. And that means that when God gives us an instruction, even as leaders or in different capacities that he would set us to lead people, it may not even just be leading in terms of the church in like a spiritual sense. It could also be in your office. It could also be in any any place because God is interested in everything that, right? So even when you are just maybe in the office and God is saying, "Okay, send that email now," and you're like, "But well, I'm watching this YouTube video," you know, I can send it later. That's not promptitude. So we should all learn from Joshua. The second thing we have under the obedience section is instructions from god's chosen leader to the people so we've that from the perspective of the leader and now we're looking at it from the perspective of the followers and you know back in Joshua 1 when the people were talking to Joshua when he when god had given him the mandate to lead israel i'm also going to read Joshua chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 because I find what they said there very fascinating. He said, And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whoever... He be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. And what you find out there is that these people had already pledged themselves to the leadership of Joshua. And not only did they pledge themselves, you know, as they said one thing with their mouth, they also acted it. With Joshua. We don't read in Joshua three and even in Joshua four. There is no place that says when Joshua told them do this, they said, Oh no, why are you doing it like this? This is not how Moses told you. Or oh no, I think we should do it this other way. Joshua gave instruction to them, or the instruction from God to them. And they in turn were very willing. Thank you. We're very willing and very obedient and very submissive so basically in this obedience section it's still kind of like the same qualities both for the leader and both for the people as believers who are placed in the house of God we should never get to a point where God is using our spiritual leaders to instruct us and then we feel like we know it all and we are not listening to them the second section I have here is faith and sanctification faith and sanctification you may wonder what is the relationship between faith and sanctification i mean our bible says that faith is the assurance of things that we hope for and the evidence of things that we do not see and in this story of people that were crossing the jordan The first point I have is that obedience must be mixed with faith. Considering that the Israelites had a promise, and that promise was, and God, even during the time of Moses, had told them that, oh, they were going to And God, even during the time of Moses, had told them, oh, this is your, this is the land, the promised land I'm going to take you to. Land flowing with milk and honey, a land of, you know, goodwill, prosperity, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Ammonites, all the ites and all the nights. It it took them a while before they got there. Yes, they disobeyed. They went through a lot of things in the wilderness. They extended their, what I call it probation period because of their attitude and when Moses died God raised up Joshua but it's interesting that the statement that they made in John um, I said John I'm so sorry in Joshua 1 verse 17 16 17 and 18 where where we just read where they were talking about how if Joshua asks them to do anything they will do and if anyone rebels the person will be put to death you don't just say those kind of things if you don't believe that that person that is leading you is actually chosen from God. Those statements were born out of a place of conviction. And conviction in itself is faith. A person who doesn't believe in something would not, will I say, put themselves on the line for that thing or submit themselves to that thing. Yes, I know that in our world today, unfortunately, some people they just do the obedience thing, but in their hearts they don't really believe, but as Christians, that is not what God teaches us. And if we quickly look at Hebrews chapter six, verse 12, just quickly, Hebrews 6:12 says that, "And ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit. The promises of God. You would see in this verse that it talks about one, people not being lazy. But then it now also talks about how we should emulate those who were before us. Who they knew there was a promise ahead. And they exercised faith consistently. They kept on, they held on to the word of God. But they do that. They were not slothful. Slothful in the context of they acted out whatever things they needed to do. They did whatever things they needed to do. They obeyed. So if there was a place where they needed to obey, they obeyed. If God said this, they did this. While they were eagerly waiting for the promise of God, they were holding on in faith. And this particular point just reminds us or encourages us that even when God has put a promise ahead of you and when he has placed leaders, even though i are still going to talk about the leaders in another category of this or another section of this teaching. When he has given a word and when we are asked to obey, we need to obey in faith. Because we know that the God that we serve, the Bible says that without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. So even if you're obeying him, but you're not obeying him with a conscious believe that okay i may not understand what god is saying but i would obey that itself is belief so if you're just dragging your feet along and yes we know that oh there may be times when you don't feel like it but you do it but if you have a consistent attitude where you say you're obeying god but you're not actively believing it's just kind of like you shooting yourself in the foot so that's the first point we have here in that obedience must be mixed with faith so that the promises that God has made in our lives can be fully manifest. The second point I have here is sanctification. Sanctification. And the point or the, the essence of sanctification basically is to be set apart, to be clean, to be separate, separated onto God. And it's very interesting because when I was preparing for this study, I kept on asking myself that why did Joshua tell these people that okay, tomorrow is the D-Day. Please let everybody sanctify themselves. In Joshua 3 verse 5, he said and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. And the truth is, for God to move, we have to be ready vessels. We have to be conduits. We also have to ensure that there is the atmosphere is devoid of anything that is called sin. Like unbelief, like doubt, because those things in itself are sin. It's not just about the outward things that we do maybe like lying or stealing and all is also about the things of our hearts, the things in our hearts. And as for sanctification, sanctification is constantly required. If we look at the story in the gospels where Jesus wanted to heal the um, centurion's daughter. And when he came and he was talking to Jesus, and just before he could get to the destination, there was a woman with an issue of blood who touched Jesus. And then after they've gone around, done the testimony time, I imagine that they first waited. She gave her testimony. Everybody was shouting, everything, everything. And that time, in quotes, time was going. And people came and told the man, why are you stressing Jesus? Let's just pack our load. Your daughter is already dead. And what did Jesus do? Jesus just told the man that only have faith, belief. And even when we read down that story, we can see that when he got to that place, he ensured that all forms of, for lack of a better word, let me say, wait. All the people that had doubts, unbelief, told all of them to go. And that is, in a sense, sort, sort of God also clearing the atmosphere for what he wanted to do. Because if those people were there, When you have an atmosphere that is full of a lot of doubting, a lot of unbelief, a lot of things. It's not because God does not have the capacity to move. He does. But he also needs things to be set in place. And even for us as believers, we need to constantly ask God to sanctify us. The Bible in the book of Ephesians talks about there are three agents of sanctification. the The water of the word, the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And day in, day out... We need to constantly ask God to cleanse us. Even as we are also being conscious of how we live our lives, we need to always ask God, Oh Lord, cleanse me. Oh Lord, cleanse me. Especially so that he can do the things he wants to do. So that he can move in the ways he wants to move. And so that he can also even use us to move in whatever situation that there is. The third point I have here is the leadership of God. That's the third, Will I call it, category. The leadership of God. And I have two supporting scriptures here. And we're going to read them in a little while. But the first point I have written here is that God must always lead us in all that we do. God must always lead us in all that we do. No, it's possible to do things on your own. You move in a way and it's your own decision. It's not what God wants for you. I mean, underlining to be that the devil is, you know, influencing you or whatnot. And there are even times when outrightly you can see that it is just not the will of God, but you still put your head. But why is it important for God to lead us in the way that we should go? Still in Joshua 3, we can look at verse. We can look at verse 3 and verse 4. Joshua 3, 3 and 4. I read. It says, And they commanded the people, that's the officers, saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Depending on translation you use, some translations will say, because you have not passed this way before, because you do not know the way. And, you know, it's interesting. Proverbs 3, 5, one of the right verses, 5-6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. You know your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and he would direct your path. And we can see that here in that God was the Oh, God is the one. God was the one in this story that knew the way. He gave the promise. He knows the way to get to the promise. If He had left the Israelites, they would probably be scratching their head and say, Oh, how do we cross this Jordan? Are we going to build a boat? But we're in the wilderness. Where are we going to get wood? If we have wood, where are we going to get nails? I imagine that they used nails at that time. Anyway, where are we going to get nails? Where are we going to get a hammer? Things like that. And then even if they had all those things, they'll probably first calculate how many months it's going to take them to cross. How many people can the boat carry? Maybe they'll do like first trip, go, come. Next trip, go, come. Like that. Now talk about safety. When the first set of people are going there, what if the people on the other side ambush them? You know, things like that. So they did not know how to get to the promise that God had promised them. It was only God that knew. It was only God that knew what He was going to do. God knows what He is going to do, and for us as Christians, we need to let God be Lord over our lives. We need to let Him lead. So many times we see people that say, "Oh, I've given my life to Christ. I have. I'm, I'm born again." But are they really letting God lead? Because the Bible says Lord and Savior. It doesn't just say Savior. It says, Lord, and the idea of a Lord is somebody that rules. Like if you're familiar with the 18th century, when I was younger, I was enamored with those novels, 16th, 17, 18th century, with the Duke and the Duchess and the Earl and all of them. And then they would give a decree. They'll say like a scroll or something like that with a seal on it. And then everybody, you have to bend. If you don't bend, you break one of the two. You bend or you break. And it's kind of like the same thing here. Although our uh, God is not a human ruler in how even we humans, we can sometimes have biases and things like that. Our uh, God is not that kind of person. His emotions are pure. His will for us is good. He knows everything. He's omnipresent, omniscience. omniscience. Excuse me. And we must let him lead. We must let him lead in every single thing. Even when we don't sometimes agree, we must still let him lead. Even when it feels like why is God asking me to do this thing? Especially in this difficult situation. We must still let him lead. The second point I have here is God is the only one that has the capacity to remove every obstacle that stands in our way. Everything that stands in the way of whatever thing he has promised us. He is the only one that has the capacity to remove them, to remove the hindrances. In a sense, Jordan was a hindrance. It was the thing that was obstructing them. Yes, there were other things that were going to occur as we go on, which I don't want to give spoilers because we're exploring Joshua. But Jordan was a major hindrance to even getting into the next land see a big river beside you that is flowing like this and you're like how it's not the rivers that we have when we're little children we say want to swim inside and that's the end it's a big river how are you going to cross it and things like that and god is the only one that has capacity to remove every hindrance because for every time god has given a promise for everything that god has willed the devil is also cooking up his own satan is also on every believer's matter There's an arrow that he has put, or let's say there's a target that he has put at the back of everybody that is in the family of God, saying, God has said this, no, you can't get here. Why should you get here? Why? Who gave you the right to get here? And it is only God that can help us to overcome those things that the devil has put in the way. Those things that, even if he may not even be an outright oh satan has put it in the way kind of thing there are other times even in our lives where there are hindrances to things maybe god has given you an instruction to do something and just when you're about doing that thing there is now a hindrance towards you doing that thing it is still the same god that gave you the instruction that said oh yeah go and do this thing that will still be the same god that would liberate you out of that circumstance that thing that is obstructing you from completing that mission how much more when it affects our destiny. How much more when it affects the future that he has set for us. There's a scripture I like so much. It's in the Old Testament. It says when the enemy comes rushing in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. And you know, Jordan is water. Yes, we know that sometimes water in the Bible can refer to the Holy Spirit. But in this case, some other times in this, like in this context, water can be like the storms of life. Things that are just moving people or tend to move people to and fro, And it is only God that can remove those things. That can bring deliverance to us. That can deliver us out of those situations so that we can get to where he has for us. The third point I have here is that our God is a God of order. And because he's a God of order, he has raised men and women to guide his children spiritually. I know I spoke about leadership in the first point, but this point cannot be overemphasized. If we have our Bibles, we can open to Hosea 12, verse 13. I just want us to see something there. Hosea twelve thirteen. 13. Can somebody read?
1: And by a prophet,
0: the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Amen. We can also open to Ephesians 4.
1: Verse 11 to 13. And Ephesians 4:11. And he gave some
0: apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Thank you very much. Thank you for reading that. So what's the correlation between these two two Bible verses we've read and the points of uh, God being a God of order and raising men and women. In Isaiah twelve thirteen, it talks about how by a prophet, God brought Israel out of Egypt, which represents their bondage. And by that same prophet, they were preserved. Some translations may say they were guided, they were kept. Yes, God is the one that knows the way, and God is the one that will lead us. And even as believers today, God will speak to us because we have a relationship with him. But the truth of the matter is, there is also a place for leadership in the house of God and it's sad that so many believers today don't even see the need for coming to church. Talk more of even leadership. People will tell you oh I stay in my house I just pray you know I hear from God I read the Bible and I'm fine but can you really know everything that you need to know about your life if you're not plugged into a place or plugged into as Ephesians 4 11 to 13 has seen that God has said that Jesus' Personally, is the one that gave gifts to the church. So, people that are apostles, that are teachers, that are pastors, that are evangelists, and that are prophets, are gifts themselves to the church, given to the church by Jesus. Why? Because he knows that these are the people that he would use to lead other people. And even when other people have gotten to a certain level, depending on what he, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and God the Father wants, who also sets those people as leaders in different places. And it's like a continuous chain. I don't say cycle, continuous chain. So it just goes on when you lift, when somebody lifts you up and you are mature, He would also put you in a place. And then you lift somebody else and that person too. So God has raised up people. And just as we see in Joshua, not only Joshua was, Joshua was not the only leader, even the priests too. Were leaders because in the story they carried the ark of the covenant they may not have been the protagonist of the story but they they also served a leadership position because if they said they were not going to carry the ark of the covenant who was going to carry it every other person there was not fit for it because they were the chosen priests that needed to carry that and carrying that represented that they were carrying the authority of God. Joshua had his own authority as a king in some sense, in that he was ruling over the people. The priest also had their own authority as, a, as the priest, rather. In some, in, yes, because spiritual leadership. And in our new covenant today, Jesus is both the king and the priest. And he has also set people in the house of God. Global church, local assembly, to lead us. And it is important that we must submit to these people, because God will use them to take us out of our bondage. The last point I have is God never changes. Everybody, please say, God never changes. God never changes. Do we believe that God never changes? Good. And the first point I have here is Red Sea versus River Jordan. Not a versus in terms of like a fight, but versus in what comparing. When God called Joshua, one thing he told Joshua was that he was going to exalt him so that he would make people see that the same God that called Moses was the same God that called Joshua. And just as how God led Israel through Moses into the wilderness, out of, rather out of Egypt, out of their house of bondage. Yes, they did not enter their promised land streets. They needed to go through a process, a wilderness phase, you know, to refine their character and to see themselves for who they really were. But God used Moses to bring them out of bondage. So also did God use Joshua to bring them out or bring them from, to help them cross River Jordan and bring them into Canaan. And this just naturally bleeds into the second point that I have written as different generations, but the same God. There are people today that don't believe that God exists, or some believe that God exists, but he's not in the business of working miracles. Some people will tell you, I don't want to use the specific phrase that they have for it, they call it, but some people will tell you, Oh, there's nothing like the gifts of the Holy Spirit anymore. God doesn't move. Some people will tell you, Oh, all those things were just Old Testament, Jesus' time, Jesus is no more on the earth, so we're just all by ourselves and let's just be waiting for when he comes back. But it's wrong. Very wrong. Because in Hebrews thirteen, eight it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what that means is, just as how God was in the time of Abraham, or even in the time of Noah, or even in the time of Adam and Eve. Let's even go back to the very beginning. And God, through different dispensations, took different people in different ways. He raised up leaders. He led his people. And even in the Old Testament, we see different kinds of things that are going on. Elijah doing his own. Elisha doing his own jeremiah prophesying his own like different times had different things but it was the same god that was enabling people and working miracles even down to when jesus came to the earth himself he also did his own things and even when he left the apostles continued and then the early church started and now we see even in our world today that things are happening god is real. There's something fascinating in Joshua 4. I want to quickly read. Just towards the end of Joshua 4. Something that God himself said. When he was... So Joshua 4, for context, they had passed... When they were passing Jordan, God instructed Joshua to tell um, each of the tribes of Israel to bring out a representative, go back, pick up stones, and then bring them out and set up a place in remembrance and things like that and then when he was done he told them that okay tell the priest to remove their leg and then they would continue their journey and when the priest removed their leg the water came back but then joshua no not 18 um joshua sorry let's just go to 22 quickly because of time so joshua 4 verse 22 says then ye shall let your children know saying israel came over this jordan on dry land for the lord your god dried up the waters of jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the lord your god did to the red sea which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the lord that is mighty and that ye might fear the lord your god forever now it's fascinating because there he was telling Joshua what to tell their children, and how in the, so by the time their children are telling their own children, they say, "Okay, our parents' time. God led them out of the um, Red Sea. To, um, God led them through the Red Sea. And then this is what happened next generation. And then their children will not pass down the story, you know, things like that. But God was very intentional about passing down this legacy of the fact that he never changes. And what does that mean for us as Christians? It means that we must never think that the God of the Old, genera- of the old Testament rather is different from the God of the New Testament. It's the same Yahweh, it's the same Adonai, it's the same God, the same Jesus that existed from the time of creation that exists now. And God is in the business of delivering people. God is not a God that sleeps. He sees us. He knows the struggles. He knows the things that can serve as Jordan in our front. And He's ever ready to help us. And so, as we bring this teaching to an end, we've looked at obedience, both from the leader's perspective and from the follower's perspective. We've looked at how faith and sanctification are important in material in god's promises materializing in our lives we've looked at the place of leadership of god both leadership of god in god is the one that leads god is the one that knows the way god is the one that has capacity to remove everything that serves as hindrances and that god has also put leaders in his church and we must submit to them and how god himself doesn't change jesus is the same yesterday today and forever And I pray that God will help us.